Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. Hey, so today we're in John 6 and we're actually going to do three sections on that. And so this is B or part two. And we're actually then going to have tomorrow part three. It's just got so many different elements in it that I just can't do it justice by just bailing through it or burning through it in one or two days. So I really want to focus on a number of of different elements here. And um, heck, I mean, when you look at Charles Spurgeon and his his sermons on chapter six, there's about 40 or so different sermons that he documented that he wrote down and provided in one of his works. So it's a very significant chapter and I don't want to do it um, disservice by basically, you know, glossing over it. So with that said, let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord God, thank you for this day and for all that you've done. Thank you for your many blessings and for all that you've provided to us. I'm grateful for the way you love us and the way you take care of us. Father, I lift up this time. I pray that you wouldn't allow my words, my thoughts, my supposed insights to cloud what the message really is, but that you would speak to us and it would be your words and your insights that we would hear. I just lift this time up to you and ask that we would grow closer to you, that our spirits would be fed, and that we would be worshiping you in spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I've gone through a couple of times of putting this podcast together, and uh, each time I dislike the previous ver- the version, so hopefully this one won't be a keeper. But there's some interesting elements here, and I'll just, you know, I try not to put my focus or my thoughts into this, but one of the things I'm thinking about is how important it is that there's this dichotomy between us, the humans, who God made and loves, and God. Jesus is always thinking about and talking about, for the most part, the spirit, you know, he's recently mentioned in a number of chapters here that God is spirit and he's talking about spiritual food. He's not speaking about, you know, bread and fish and everything he's generally speaking about. And he will further in this chapter. He's generally talking about the living water, the food that never, you never grow hungry from. And so Jesus is all about the spirit us people we focus on the world and the world's needs we focus on what we can get jesus fed all those people and they're all fired up and they're like yeah let's go kick the romans butts and and uh, this guy can do that and he bailed on him he went up to a mountaintop in the previous few verses and he left them because he knew where their hearts were they were all about the physical Jesus and God care about who we really are. Remember, we're made in his image. God is spirit. Therefore, we're spirit. We're just so blind. We don't recognize the spiritual element. We feed our physical 
we don't feed our spirit enough. And candidly, that's what this whole daily journey is about, is growing spiritually. And it's about recognizing these shells that we live in are temporary. That the most important thing, you know, I work out every day or most days, and I do that in order to stay in shape, and I'm trying not to get a huge gut and everything else. But that's this this time, this reading, this time with God is my spiritual, and it should really be all day. Because I don't become spiritual only for a spiritual being only for an hour while I'm on the Peloton. I'm a spiritual being 24 seven, but I only think about it on a limited basis. So really, you know, the key is how to feed my spirit and to stay in the spirit versus, you know, just every once in a while, because that's what I think it was Paul who talks about pray without ceasing. Well, how do you pray without ceasing? What is prayer without ceasing? Really, it's being aware and communicating with God on a never-ending basis. One of the things I think about about this chapter is are the miracles, right? Jesus fed 15,000-plus people, you know, give or take. He fed them with scraps that became an abundance. Just like his, his uh, forgiveness his salvation, his cleansing of our sins is not, oh, barely covers the surface and it's just enough. It's only enough. No, he's abundant in his grace. His grace is abundant. He's a king. He's the king of all kings. And therefore he gives as a king would in great quantities. He has at his disposal all things. So his forgiveness, his grace is abundant. At the same time, he fed those people in an, in an abundance because there was food left over. There was tons of food left over. He then walks on water because his disciples are all like, hey, where is it? Where is he? I don't know. Let's get in the boat and go somewhere. And maybe he'll catch up. You know, who knows? They didn't even look for him. Then the last thing is the last miracle that we've read about. And it just blows my mind. It's like we kind of gloss over it, right? Verse 21. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. He just walked on water. And who is it? Is it a whale? Is it a goat? No, it's Jesus. And okay, okay, because he said, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they're like, oh, okay, we recognize you now. But he walks on water. And then he gets in the boat. And immediately the boat reaches the shore where they were heading. So not only does he perform the miracle of walking on water after he's fed 15,000 people, and somehow he escapes those people by going up on a mountaintop and they don't follow him because they don't see him. wonder how that worked out. But then on top of it, he then, hey, you guys were going here. Okay, let's, let's go there. I'm tired of waiting around. And he transports them. Miracle number three, maybe four for the day. <laughs> so it's interesting. I just kind of wanted to walk down that path. And so he's off. The crowd knows that he didn't get in the boat with them, with the disciples, because they saw that they went off without him. So then all of a sudden the crowd looks for him and they go to Capernaum where they, where Jesus was searching for him. So we take up our our verse is in verse 25. 
When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Maybe they're thinking, hey, he just ran fast ahead of us in the morning. And so he just just arrived. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Verse 26, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the bread, the loaves, and had your fill. They all wanted more. Hey, it's breakfast. We want Jesus. It's kind of like the drive-up window, right? (laughs) Because you had had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to the what must we do to do the works God requires? Again, here it is. They think they have to perform. They have to be good. They have works they have to perform. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. So believe that Jesus is who he is and believe upon him. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Okay, wait a second. If I'm not mistaken, he just fed 15,000 people. Well, 5,000 men, we know that for sure. And with like crumbs. So he just performed that miracle. They've all also seen him healing the sick and, and whatnot, casting demons out. But hey, we, we're stupid humans, i.e. me. I do it all the time. What will you do to make and show me so I'll believe you again? <laughs> I feel, some, feel like sometimes I'm these guys. I'm like, oh, God, why is this happening to me? Blah, blah, whining me or what? what I, are you really there? And yeah, show me a sign. Okay. And it doesn't matter the millions of things he's done for me in my life, how he's kept me from just, just bad stuff. But no, give me one more miracle, God. (laughs) Show me one more thing. Anyways, I digress. Sorry. What sign will you? What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Well, where do they think the bread that he gave them yesterday came from? You know, the zoo, from the lake. Anyways. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They don't say thanks. They just say, oh, keep giving. Then Jesus Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him, shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So again, he's the bread of life. He's not figuratively saying, you know, here, eat my finger, and that he also isn't saying that on a future scripture too. 
He's saying, I'm the bread of life. Believe in me and you will have life. It's all about the spiritual. Jesus is focused on the spiritual. He's focused on your spirit because our physical bodies are going away. At the, he'll raise us up in the last day, as he says. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, who, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Jesus replies, stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. So he's basically saying, hey, if you are going to sit there and grumble and you're going to doubt me, you're not from God. You don't know God. Because he's sending you, we're not sending you. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. We're going to stop there because now we have a big argument and kind of a big, big fight that goes on. Actually, let's just keep going for another couple. We'll go for seven more verses. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, that's going to be pretty bad. because If they take this literally, they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, because you know the pagans did that. They ate and drank human blood and flesh. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real blood, and my blood is, is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said, said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. So this is a tough verse for a lot of folks. They struggle with it, and so did the, the Jews, a lot of the Jews and his followers. And in that, it's because it's like uh, eating blood or eating human flesh and blood. But again, re remember, Christ is always talking about the spirit. He's not talking about the physical world most of the time, 99% of the time when he's talking about things. Living water, the, the bread, everlasting life, and by eating the bread of life, those aren't things about the, the world. It's about the spiritual. And so Spurgeon has a comment on this whole concept and the, the dif difficulty sometimes that people have with these verses or these types of verses where it's like interesting. And I have to admit, and I'm not trying to you know pat myself on the back or anything, I've read this a number of times throughout my life. The first time I heard it, I'm like, wow, that's whack. That's really jacked up. I don't know if I, I like that. 
as I've understood, and I've not just read it on its own, but I've learned about God and Jesus and the relationship I have with him and have had with him in the past, it makes more sense on a spiritual level. It's still not something that is easily resolved or just, you know, blown through. So I'll just read to you real quick what Spurgeon says, then we'll wrap up. But I would say to every seeker, you will find it very injurious, injurious to getting, get worrying yourself with such difficulties as these. As a rule, you had better leave these questions for another day. Suppose that you were puzzled concerning specific gravity, the weight of a body in water. If you were a drowning man, I would recommend you waive the consideration of such a subject till you are safely on shore. <laughs> it is hardly the time, to th- to the time, I think, to enter into difficult uh, discussions and, th- and thoughts while you are in grave peril and in like manner. You may leave many theological questions until, by faith in Christ, you are saved. Then going into his school, you may ask him to teach you these other more advanced lessons. So the point is, don't focus on the, the challenging. Right now, while we're just trying to grow, and we're just trying to get to know him and be better children of his, let's consider his spiritual nature and that he loves us on a spiritual level. And on a spiritual level, we need to consume all that he's giving us because our spirits were meant to commune with his, with him who is spirit. As we go on and we grow in our Christian walk and our life in him, we can ask and figure out these questions. And if I'd heard that advice from Spurgeon, even though it's written in like 18th century grammar, and gets a little confusing at times just reading it. I would have appreciated it that, you know what, just on the, some of that, that difficult stuff, move on and then go and read it tomorrow or after you've gotten, you've gained a little bit more insights and ask God to show it to you, explain it. Anyways, with that, I'm just going to go ahead and um, close with prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've done. I'm grateful for your many blessings. I just pray you'd open our hearts, our minds, to what you have have for us and what you would want us to hear and understand. May we continue to to grow in you and be a be a blessing to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. I hope you have a great day. And I apologize for this being late. It was just uh, there's a lot of, a lot of work I started very early today, and uh, just got the chance to to jump in and and record this. So. Have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye.